0: Today marks National Sorry Day and six years since the Uluru Statement from the Heart. Growing concerns among firefighters that parts of the charged seven-story building in Sydney's CBD could still collapse. And in sport, Sam Kerr on the cusp of claiming her fourth women's Super League title in a row. National Sorry Day every year May the 26th acknowledges and remembers survivors of the stolen generations. The first National Sorry Day was held on this day in 1998 a year after the Bringing Them Home report was tabled in parliament. The report resulted from a government inquiry into past policies which caused children to be forcibly removed from their families and communities link up Chairman Uncle Kenneth Paul Murphy says it's always a sad day people don't understand that you know they think oh yeah we treat the Aboriginals good we, we do this we do that but they don't they don't understand what happened before a lot of these girls are taken away from their mothers and 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 fathers and you know family and um, and there's a lot of lot of sorrow there. LinkUp is an organisation that helps Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islanders over 18 years of age living in Victoria or Tasmania to connect with family, culture and traditional country. Opposition Deputy Leader Susan Lee has defended the Liberal Party position to vote no in the Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum. Parliament has been debating the bill which lays out the wording for the question Australians will have to answer sometime between August and December and proposed changes to the constitution. Ms Lee says the Aboriginal Interest Torres Strait Islander advisory body will not address the disadvantage Indigenous communities face. It's okay to vote no, secure in the knowledge that you want the best outcome for Indigenous Australians as everyone in this Parliament should do. Strong speeches were delivered, and the strength of Peter Dutton's speech was his determination to secure those better outcomes for Indigenous Australians. So, yes, there's grand speeches in this place, and people point to them from time to time, but they don't deliver the outcomes on the ground that we need. Today, May 26, also marks the 6 year anniversary of the Uluru Statement from the Heart. On May 26, 2017, more than 250 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander delegates met at Uluru for the First Nations Constitutional Convention. The Uluru Statement asked Australians to work together to build a better future by establishing a First Nations Voice to Parliament enshrined in the Constitution and the establishment of a Makarata Commission for the purpose of treaty-making and truth-telling. Indigenous leaders will meet at Uluru today to mark the six years since Australians first heard the Uluru Statement from the Heart and months and months before a vote is held on the Indigenous Voice to Parliament later this year. Uluru Dialogue Co-Chair Pat Anderson says this must be the year Australia makes the words of the statement a reality. A witness to the fire that tore through two heritage-listed buildings in Sydney's CBD on Thursday afternoon says they saw a group of high school students running from the building. Fu Tang, who works at a locksmith Locksmith store across the street, told nine newspapers he saw a group of children running from the former Hat factory as smoke began to pour out of it. There are growing concerns among firefighters that parts of the charged seven-storey building could still collapse. Thousands of people watched on Thursday afternoon as more than 120 firefighters from 30 fire trucks battled the blaze in Surrey Hills. Police and investigators from Fire and Rescue New South Wales will now come through the wreckage of the building and another empty structure which was set alight. Australian households face a 25 per cent rise in power bills as the energy regulator sets new ceiling prices. The default market offer established by the Australian energy regulator determines the maximum price retailers can charge in certain regions. From the 1st of July, residential customers can expect price hikes ranging from 19.6% to 24.9%, while small businesses may see increases of 14.7% to 28.9%. Energy and Climate Change Minister Chris Bowen says the price increases would have been higher if the government did not intervene and eligible households for rebates will see a decrease in their power bills. Of course, these... Uh, big increases, uh, but also, as the regulator made clear herself this morning, without the intervention of the Albanese government, they would have been much bigger. Indeed, uh, the regulator Claire Savage this morning said that she was fearing increases of 50%. And in addition to the coal and gas caps, which we introduced in December, uh, we have negotiated with each state and territory rebates uh, for households, uh, more than 5 million households, to ensure that they are shielded from the worst of the impacts. Opposition spokesperson for energy and climate change, Ted O'Brien, says the Labor government has broken its promises of cheaper power bills. I think at a time when Australian households are thinking, could it get any harder, it's going to get harder. From the 1st of July, some households will be looking at paying an extra $600 just to keep their lights on every year. Middle Australia have been left out of the federal budget and they are going to be copping at the hardest as prices increase. Australia has joined Canada, New Zealand, the United Kingdom and the United States in accusing the Chinese government of cyber attacks. The Five, Eyes, the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance, which Australia is a part of, has called out Chinese Communist Party-linked actor of Typhoon for attacking critical U.S. infrastructure. Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill tells ABC Radio it's a national security risk. The Australian Government is never going to compromise on our national security and this activity should not be occurring. There is no question about that and we're not going to be shy when we know who is responsible for that activity. We have the evidence before us and we're not going to be transparent about it for other reasons. It's important for the national security of our country uh, that we're transparent and upfront with Australians about the threats that we face and that's why we've joined the advisory. China's foreign ministry official says, says reports of Chinese hackers spying on US critical infrastructure are a disinformation campaign initiated by the United States. Foreign ministry spokesperson Mao Ning says the hacking allegations are a collective disinformation campaign from the intelligence sharing alliance between the Five Eyes. I would like to say that it is a report that has been patched together with a serious lack of evidence and is extremely unprofessional. We have also noted that similar reports have been released simultaneously by government agencies such as the US National Security Agency and relevant agencies in the UK, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and other countries. It is clear that this is a collective disinformation campaign by the US to mobilise the countries in the Five Eyes alliance for geopolitical purposes. Western intelligence agencies and officials at Microsoft say a state-sponsored Chinese hacking group was spying on a wide range of U.S. critical infrastructure organisations from telecommunications to transportation hubs. The United Nations Secretary General says the arrest of a man accused of genocide and crimes against humanity in Rwanda in 1994 sends a powerful message. Fultrans Kaishema is alleged to have ordered the killing of some 2,000 Tutsis during that period. He had been on the run since 2001. UN spokesperson for the Secretary General Stephen Dusharik says their thoughts are first and foremost with the victims. Mr. Kaishima's apprehension sends a powerful message that those who are alleged to have committed such crimes cannot evade justice and will eventually be held accountable even more than a quarter century later. An estimated 800,000 ethnic Tutsis and Hutu moderates were killed during Rwanda's genocide, orchestrated by an extremist Hutu regime and executed by local officials and ordinary citizens in the rigidly hierarchical society. Back home, a polar blast is set to sweep through the east coast of Australia today. A forecast of rain, damaging winds, low temperatures and even snow is expected to hit large parts of the southeast. Dropping temperatures will also continue for Sydney, Melbourne and Hobart while heavy rain is expected for Adelaide this weekend. And in sport, the unstoppable Samkar could be on the cusp of receiving yet another award. The Matildas' captain was recently awarded England's football winners, Writers Association's prestigious Footballer of the Year trophy, for the second consecutive season. Kai is now on the brink of claiming the women's Super League title for the fourth season in a row. But first, she and fellow Chelsea teammates will need to face a reading in Saturday's match to secure the title. And now having a look at the weather around the country. Broome sunny, twenty four degrees. Perth mostly sunny, nineteen. Adelaide a shower, two fifteen. Melbourne a shower, two fourteen degrees. Hobart, shower, two fourteen. Albury Wodonga sunny, eleven degrees. Canberra showers, thirteen. Wollongong showers easing, easing seventeen. Sydney a shower, two eighteen degrees. Newcastle a shower 2, as well, on the top of nineteen. Brisbane sunny, twenty six. Townsville sunny as well. 27 degrees, Cairns partly cloudy 28, Alice springs mostly sunny 14, Darwin sunny 31 and at West Red Islands mostly cloudy day at the top of 28 degrees. And that is NITV Radio News.